Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Today we're going to continue in that series and we're going to talk about healing emotional wounds from our past. Healing emotional wounds from our past. And many of us, we've just gone through EHS, we've gone through different things and so a lot of us are like, really, we're talking about this again. It keeps coming back up as we're preparing sermons and we're preparing series and I believe for many of us, it's something that we struggle with, it's something that we deal with, it's something that we need to work through. And so if you haven't dealt with your past hurts, they will continue to hurt you. Um, So let's pray and we'll get started. Father, I just thank you for this morning. I do thank you, Lord, for this privilege and this opportunity to come together. And Lord, I pray that you will guide us and lead us, Father, that you will direct us, and that, Lord, you will continue to give us wisdom And Lord, give us direction, Lord, as we minister for you. And so, Father, we just ask you to speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to share with you Romans 8 and 28. It says this, And we know that in all things God works out for good to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This here is one of my favorite verses But I also believe there's times where we need to try to kind of explain this verse a little bit. Because here's the clarification on this. God will work things out for your good, but he doesn't do it by making bad things good. I don't want you to think like all of a sudden this bad thing that happened to me is all of a sudden going to feel good. It's all of a sudden going to change. No, he works it out because what he does is God will enable you and me to become a better person through it. So as wounds happen to us, we need to make sure that we don't get our identity from that event or from that wound. We need to make sure that we are not identifying ourselves with it because whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, that's not where we get our identity from. We get our identity from Jesus Christ. We get our identity from being a child of God. And so how do we manage these events and not having them look, uh, control our lives? I want to walk you through just a little exercise. If, you're, um, if your imaginary, imagination works better for you with your eyes closed, I want you to close your eyes. If you can envision things with your eyes open, I want you to keep your eyes open. But I want you to envision this with me. Here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about that you're just sitting at home. So those that are at home right now, this is easy for you. You're sitting there right now. And I want you to imagine that someone drove by and threw something at your house. You're just sitting there. They drive by. You th- they throw something at your house. And they damage the siding of your house. Here's the thing. You can never find out who did it. You never are able to find out who did it. How long would you let this incident bother you? How long would it control you? How long would it affect you? Now, 
Suppose that this is happening, but the object also now, it hits you and it breaks your arm. It comes right through the window. It hits you and breaks your arm. How long are you going to let that bother you or control you, impact your life? Suppose we just keep going with this exercise. Suppose we just keep making it worse. And it's not a broken arm, it's a broken leg. It's not a broken leg, it takes out your eye. At what point in this do we immediately go, okay, now it's stepped over the line. Now, Chad, it's crossed the line and this is going to affect me. This is now gonna be with me forever for the rest of my life. See, I don't think there's such a point in our perspective from God either where all of a sudden it's there. I don't believe God wants anything in our past to have that kind of control over his children. He doesn't want it to control us. But God doesn't fix our past. We've all gone, things, gone through things where God doesn't fix it, but he'll set us free from it. Every one of us that's here live, everyone that's watching online, we all come from a different past. We come from a different background. And most of us, if we're honest, we have some kind of hurt or traumatic experience in our past that has scarred us emotionally. Some of us, maybe we've grown up with abusive parents or we've suffered uh, through a painful relationship or a, a broken friendship or an untimely death of a loved one or a divorce or an affair or any other number of events. But they leave us all with a lot of emotional baggage. But here's the thing, those experiences, they're buried in our memories. And many of us know they're available to, for an instant recall, an instant trigger. We're like, no, no, they're all, I'm dealt with that, it's gone, and then all of a sudden something happens and those feelings come back so quickly. It's as simple as a name. A simple name can prompt us to an emotional response, a simple smell, a simple activity. If you're not sure about it, I just want you to think for a moment. Let's say you had a loving, caring person in your past. We'll call him, we'll call him Bob. Maybe you know a Bob that was super loving and caring in your past, and every time you hear the name Bob, you just start to feel warm inside, you start to feel nice inside. But then all of a sudden, what if you had a Bob in your life? Maybe it was a mean teacher or maybe it was somebody, it was a bully in school who beat you up and all of a sudden you hear the name Bob and it just kind of sends these negative responses through you. And some of you might think, well, Chad, this doesn't really exist in my life. I'm not sure if that actually is true. How many of you have ever tried picking baby names? Have you ever tried picking baby names with your spouse? And all of a sudden you throw out a name and they're like, oh, I love that name. All of the people I know with that name are so sweet and so kind. And then you throw out another name and they're like, not over my dead body. And it's because of an emotional connection to something that has happened in their past. This is what we call a primary emotion. And the intensity of these motions are determined by the events in our lives. So we're going to talk through how we work through these emotions. And so the previous life history, your previous life history, 
determines the intensity of what we call the primary emotion. A primary emotion. And then the present event, whatever's happening right now, is what triggers those emotions. It triggers you. It upsets you. And then there's a mental evaluation. A mental evaluation where you begin to manage the stage that you're in. And if you do a mental evaluation, it would create a secondary emotion. We walk through a thought process from, and then re, and move on from that primary emotion. See, here's the thing. The trigger is anything that's happening today. You could, somebody could say something to you and you immediately get upset, you get angry, you get teary, and it's because it's connected to something else that somebody has done. And it triggers you. And what we would love to do is isolate ourselves from these events, but we can't isolate ourselves from the world. We can't isolate ourselves from the world. So therefore, these triggers are going to happen. These triggers in your life are going to happen. But we can stabilize our primary emotion by evaluating it in light of the present circumstances. So let's go back to Bob. Let's think about Bob for a minute. Maybe you have a Bob in your life that hurts you. And so the moment you hear the name Bob, you get hurt, you get upset, and you're scared, you're nervous. And all of a sudden, somebody introduces you to a guy named Bob. And immediately you're triggered. But you have the ability in that moment to pause, even though you feel all this anxiousness, and you pause and you begin to think for a moment, this isn't the same Bob. Not only does he have the same name, but he looks like him, but it's not the same Bob. So maybe I should give him a chance. And you're able to take that first response, slow it down, and come to a secondary emotion. And it's a combination of that past and present, identifying my trigger I am triggered because of the name and what this person looks like, but it's not the same person. It's not the same time. When Miles and I, when we were in Florida last, a couple years ago, or I guess a year ago, it's all a blur, we went to see the Blue Jays play in Dundee. When we went there, I found out that a friend of mine that I grew up with through public school and high school was at the same game. And so he messaged me. He's like, where are you in the diamond? Let's, let's see if we connect. We haven't seen each other basically since high school graduation. Now here's the thing. My primary trigger kicked in. Because this is the same guy. So I'm not even talking now about the same name, same face. I'm talking about the exact same person who used to sit beside me in school and when the teacher wasn't looking, would just continuously punch me. And when the teacher turned around, they would stop. And when the teacher turned back around, they'd just start punching me for no reason. So my primary emotions kick in and go, do I want to find this guy? Is he going to hit me again? And I start to think to myself, okay, one, we're in a different place. We're both 40 years old. I think maybe we've moved beyond just randomly punching people. And so we find each other and we talk to each other and we have a great conversation and we see each other's children and we introduce each other and we are able to have a great conversation and then go on watching the game. 
but my primary trigger kicked in immediately. But I was able to process in that moment that this is the same guy, but a different time. Neil Anderson, in his book, Victory Over Darkness, he says, some Christians assert that the past doesn't have any effect on them because they are a new creation in Christ, which is true. We are a new creation. And he continues to write, he says, I would have to disagree. Either they are extremely fortunate to have a conflict-free past or they are living in denial. Those who have had major traumas have learned to resolve them in Christ know how devastating the past experiences can be. See, every one of us has something. And in our past, if we don't work through it, it will affect us. Now, God, now only God can set the captive free. Only him can set us free and bind up the brokenhearted. But we need to do the work as well because denial doesn't help us. Sometimes maybe in your, in your marriage relationship, sometimes maybe just with your kids, you are being triggered by a statement that actually has nothing to do with the present situation and you're not sure why you're getting upset. But we need to do the work. Psalms 139, 23, 24 says this, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, God will search us. He will tell you and me the areas of our past that we need to work through, that we'll, we need to bring healing to, that we need to bring forgiveness to. And here's the only amazing, this amazing thing about God, that he'll only bring to light what you can work through in the moment, that he needs to walk you through. He will show you it at the right time. John 16, 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you the truth that God needs you to know. John 8, 31, 32 says, then Jesus said to those Jews who, were be who believed in him, if you abide in me, my word in my, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Many of us, we just need his truth of the situation. The truth will set us free. We will stop seeing ourselves through our past, and we will see our past in light of who we are in Christ. So how does God intend for you and me to resolve our past experiences? Well, one, he, he wants us to understand that we are no longer a product of our past. We are no longer a product of what happened. Now, this is a hard one because many of us, bad things have happened to so many of us. But here's the thing. You and I are not that bad thing. Yes, it happened, but that is not who we are. We are a new creation in Christ. We are a product of Christ's work on the cross. And here's the thing. Once we can look at our past in light of who we are today and not who we were then, we are a different person. But here's the thing. Most people like myself, most of us are not in bondage necessarily to the past trauma. We're in bondage 
to the lies we believe about ourselves, God, or how to live as a result of the trauma. And that's why the truth will set us free. Because we don't believe the lies that the enemy is speaking to us. We don't believe the lies that he's whispering to us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So here's the thing. For you and me, the old Adam inside of us is gone. The new you in Christ is actually here to stay. We have all been victimized. We've all been victims of something, but we, whether we remain a victim is actually up to us. It's actually up to us whether we remain a victim, but we need a renewing of our minds. Romans 12, two says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My fleshly pattern, your fleshly patterns are still in our minds and we need to become new in Christ. We need to renew our minds daily. We have to crucify our, our flesh and choose to walk by the spirit. And we know that Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So those of us who are Christ, we crucify our flesh. But if you are like me, we need to crucify that flesh daily and a lot of times, many times daily. This is the gospel, the good news, that Christ has come to set the captives free, to set us free. This is for us. This is for me. This is for you. This is for our neighbors and our coworkers. The second step to resolving past conflicts is to forgive those who offended you. To forgive you those who offended you. So here's the thing. First off, forgiveness is required by God. Now I know for many of us that's not a newsflash. That's not something new. But for many of us, that doesn't make it any easier. See, here's the thing. Right after Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray in Matthew 6, in verse 14 and 15, he says this, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I don't like that verse. Because I want forgiveness, but sometimes it's hard for me to extend forgiveness. And maybe I'm on my own. Maybe it's just me. But when I read that verse and I realize that I have to forgive these people, the ones that have hurt me, I have to forgive them. See, we need to look at our relationships with others the same way God does ours. He looks at our relationship with love, with acceptance, and forgiveness. The amount of times that God has to forgive me I should easily forgive others. The second thing is forgiveness is necessary 
to avoid entrapment by Satan. Satan doesn't want us to forgive. He wants us to be bitter. He wants us to be angry because then he has a foothold in our lives. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, Paul encourages to forgive and he says, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices, of his schemes, of his tricks. What if it was forgiving somebody that would set you free? What if it was forgiving somebody that would set you free? I've heard of many stories where people are seeking healing for something in their body and evangelists or a minister or somebody is praying over them and they stop and they go, I think you have unforgiveness. This is how powerful this can be in our lives. And they've forgiven people and cancer has left their body. I'm not saying that people have diseases and sicknesses because of unforgiveness, but what if Unforgiveness would set us free from things that hold us captive. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. See, we forgive because Christ forgave us. But what is, what is forgiveness? This is what holds people back. What, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is not forgetting. I know we're supposed to forgive and forget, but I don't know about you, but I have a memory. And it's active. And all I need to hear is a name as we talked about it. It will trigger a memory. Forgetting might be the long-term part of forgiveness, but it's not necessarily a means to forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean you tolerate sin. Do you know it's actually okay for you to forgive somebody of past sins and at the same time take a stand against future sins? I'm not gonna let this continue. I forgive you, but you can't control and manipulate me anymore. It actually can go together. Forgiveness does not seek revenge or demand repayment for offenses suffered. Forgiveness means resolving to live with the consequences of another person's sin. The only real choice is to live with those consequences in either bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. Because no matter which way we live with those consequences. The choice is really up to us. So there's 12 steps to forgiveness. 12 steps to forgiveness. The first step is this. Each and every one of us, we need to ask God to reveal to my mind, to your mind, the people you need to forgive. Some of you, you don't even have to pray that at first, but You should start writing your list out, but you need to pray, who is everybody? And I encourage you to write their names on a sheet of paper, or two, or three. We need to write down, if it's parents, if it's friends, 
And some of the names that are totally forgotten sometimes is actually God or ourselves. Number two is we need to acknowledge the hurt and the hate and the pain. See, as we work through the list of people, you need to actually write out specifically why you're forgiving them. The third thing you have to do is you have to understand the significance of the cross. The cross of Christ makes forgiveness legally and morally right. We're supposed to forgive. The fourth thing that you need to do is you need to decide you will bear the burden of each person's sin. This means that you will not, I will not retaliate, retaliate in the future by using the information about their sin against them. I release them all, totally. The fifth thing you have to do is you have to decide to forgive. Forgiveness, forgiving somebody is a choice. Forgiveness is a crisis of the will. It's a conscious choice to let other people off the hook and to free yourselves from the past. And number six, we go back to the list. We need to take our list to God and actually pray the following prayer. Lord, I forgive and fill in the name. Lord, I forgive Bob for these things and not just these things, but you list them specifically and how they made you feel. And you actually don't move on to the next person until you've dealt with all of the pain and give it to God. Because once we give it to God, we don't take it back. Now here's what you don't pray. You don't pray, God, I want to forgive or Lord, help me to forgive. Because what that is actually doing is it's bypassing my responsibility or your responsibility and the choice to forgive. And then once you work your way through the list and all of the feelings and all of the pain, then you destroy the list. You destroy the list because you are now free. And you don't tell anybody about your list. You don't tell anybody about who you forgave and you don't even go to the person and tell them you forgave them. It's done. And then number eight, you do not expect that your decision to forgive will result in a major change in the other person. The other person may never change. So when I give forgiveness, when I walk through this exercise, I don't expect you to change at all. But instead, we pray for them. And we pray blessing on them. We don't pray for change in them. And Lord, change their heart. No, I pray blessing on their lives. Number nine, I, you try to understand the people you have forgiven. You try to understand them. But through that, you are not going to try to rationalize their behavior or excuse it. But you try to understand them and forgive them. Number 10, you expect positive results of forgiveness in you. 
positive results in you. In time, you will be able to think about the people and not trigger a primary emotion anymore. You will be set free. So when I forgive them and I destroy the list, I don't expect them to change, but I'm expecting a change in me. And then I thank God. Number 11, I thank God for the lessons that I've learned. The lessons that I've learned. The maturity that I've gained in Christ through these scenarios and situations and events. And then number 12, be sure to accept your part of blame for offenses you've suffered. Not in your events, but in other people's events. So you confess your failure to God and to others. You realize that if someone has something against you, you must go to that person and reconcile. So I've, I've now prayed forgiving people who have hurt me and then I stop and go, God, who have I hurt? Because if you're like me, you are not perfect, so therefore you have hurt people as well, just as I have. And we confess our sins to them and ask for forgiveness. So today, excuse me, today, who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? You need to start your list. It might not be easy, but it's still the Christ-like thing to do. It might not be easy, but it's still what God asks us to do. So today, I want to encourage you to write your list and start to pray and start to forgive those who have wronged you. So let's pray. Father, I ask you to move in our hearts. Lord, every one of us in this parking lot, every one of us watching online, We have been hurt before, Lord. There's been trauma in our lives. And Lord, many of us totally out of our control. And so, Father, today I ask you to help us, Lord, to obey your word and to bring forgiveness, to choose forgiveness today. Lord, as we begin to write out names and, and what they've done and how it hurt us, Holy Spirit, guide us through the process as we choose today to forgive as you've asked us to forgive. And when we are done our list, that we destroy it and we don't share it, we don't talk about it, we've released it to you and by releasing it to you, you have actually set us free. And Lord, it's through that that we can expect change in our own lives and that we can pray blessing on others and we can pray uh, your presence in their lives. And so, Father, I ask today that you speak to each one of us and you walk us through this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're watching online, there's actually online prayer that's waiting to pray with you, to help you, and to encourage you. And so if you want to go to our website and click on Sunday morning prayer, there's actually a team waiting to pray for you. If you're in the parking lot, as we dismiss the service, I'm going to ask you to be very patient 
as our parking team leads you out of the parking lot because we do have equipment that needs to be put away safely. And so if you don't mind just waiting in your parking spots until the parking team directs you, uh, we hope to have you out of the parking lot soon. Thank you for coming. We hope you enjoyed the service. And again, to all the musicians and the team who's helped set us up, Mark, thank you so much for all your work and helping us to sound good this morning. And Paul, thank you for coming and being a part of it. And Lord, we just pray you help everybody have a safe trip home. Keep us safe and let us be a light for you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 